0: Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the
1: Mill Creek View newspaper. Welcome back to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast. We are focusing on the volunteer state and our nation today with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community. This time, special guest Ben Cunningham. But first, for more information about the growing stable of Mill Creek View podcast, visit us anywhere you get your podcasts and socials at Mill Creek View, Tennessee, Washington, and now Florida. It's totally free to you. While you're there, please subscribe. Welcome to our People in the News episode, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with Ben Cunningham. Ben Cunningham has been a volunteer taxpayer advocate and limited government activist in Tennessee for 20 plus years. Ben sold his internet company, Nashville.com, in 1999 and began his grassroots activism by helping to organize opposition to proposed state income tax during the 2000-2002 tax protest at the state capitol. This two-year effort, which resulted in defeat of the income tax, yay, became known as the Tennessee <laughs> Tax Revolt. After the defeat of the income tax, Ben became a volunteer grassroots consultant to many Tennessee taxpayer groups ben led the petition drive that resulted in nashville davidson county becoming the first county in tennessee Mm -hmm. to put a cap on property tax rates yay again and require all property tax rate increases over the cap to be approved by the voters ben has also assisted many tennessee taxpayer groups in challenging local wheel tax and sales tax and property increases increasing government transparency Ben has also assisted several groups exploring home rule for their cities and counties Ben is active in two nonprofit groups. He is press spokesman for Tennessee Tax Revolt Inc. and is the founder and president of Nashville Tea Party Inc. Nashville Tea Party has an active social media presence with 230,000 followers on Facebook and 39,000 each on Twitter and Instagram, including the Mill Creek Field. Ben holds an undergraduate degree in finance and a master's degree in economics. Okay, Mr. Cunningham, how are you today? i'm great i'm great it's so good to be here really appreciate the invite oh we're happy to have you yeah. and all these summer thunderstorms are kind of getting old remind me of seattle too much i thought i moved away from that junk
2: yeah we're having one in nashville right now
1: uh, exactly. are you
2: in nashville steve or? i'm in franklin
1: yeah. um, oh, okay don't want to dox myself but no i'm a little south of you uh, <laughs> but i do spend a lot of time up there in nashville and we cover the whole state uh from memphis all the way to knox so we're happy to have you I've Um, been hearing lots of good things about the podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Well, now we're hearing good things because you're on it. Uh, (laughs) So let's talk about the Tea Party's history a little. Uh, I always say if uh, Ronald Reagan was the culmination of the very Goldwater conservative movement in America, the Tea Party and the Gingrich Revolution was the second wave. You can disagree if you want. Um, After Ross Perot tried, it was Gingrich who became the Speaker of the House, a Republican for the first time in 40 years. Uh, even Reagan had to deal with the Dem speaker, Tip O'Neill. So the third wave would be Trump and MAGA. But Trump grew the health industry complex and spent trillions on COVID, uh, left with more debt than he started with, which I agree is is on Nancy Pelosi, but he signed all those omnibus bills Nancy and Mitch McConnell put in front of him. No Tea Party fan, Mitch McConnell. Um it may sound odd, but but he banned the bump stocks, which is the slippery slope on Second Amendment, which at its essence is private property. So what is your assessment of four years of Trump and his Tea Party third wave bona fides?
2: Um, it's complicated. Uh, he is such an extraordinary personality himself, and the force of his personality is kind of overshadows everything. I, You know, if Trump is just a phenom. I don't think we've ever seen anything like him, certainly not in my lifetime. Uh, and his people are constantly trying to figure out, you know, what, what is it about Trump that enrages the liberals so much? And what it is about Trump that, that keeps that 40% of Republican voters absolutely loyal to him. Um, and i Frankly, I I've tried to intellectualize it. I don't think I have it figured out. Uh it's just it's just one of those things you have to go with and under and the the uh, polls right now, I thought DeSantis would uh, would gain some traction, but it doesn't look like he's going to at all. People are just so focused on the challenge to our culture um and this this cultural war that we're in. I think he really is he's kind of for for, pe- for most Republicans he's the guy that's going to fight for us and uh it's just I, and I wish I had a better explanation but he's he's just he's a phenomenon and you just uh, it's hard to explain all the nuances uh and his his appeal
1: yeah it's sort of a thin line between a cult of personality and Republican traditional values but I think his play in the mushy middle especially voters who had never voted before when he ran the first time, uh, gave him a uh, coalition that we just can't really understand. You know, the Tea Party nationally was Ted Cruz, Marco Mm -hmm. Rubio, Michelle Bachman, and Rand Paul. None of them had gotten much done, and Marco seems to be Jeb Bush Light and and Beholden to Big Sugar, which Ron DeSantis seems to be fighting. Uh, What happened to the Tea Party movement that was co-opted by what we now call establishment politicians. Back then we just called them politicians.
2: Well the the basic the the Tea Party movement as such has faded. Uh, the the basic principles limited government, fiscal responsibility, free markets, those are things that I've always fought for from the very beginning. That that's what inspired me to get involved in the income tax protest. And those rock solid principles um are are what carry me through. And a lot of people say, ah, the Tea Party's an anachronism now. You know, the the Tea Party, the brand may be a little bit tarnished, but those principles of limited government, limited constitutional government, fiscal responsibility, balancing your budget, and private property and private property ownership, and it's uh, being such an integral part of the American constitutional ethic and the American dream, Um, those principles go on and on and on. And that's why I, I like to kind of at least keep the Tea Party brand alive because of those principles. And I think those principles will outlive us all. They'll outlive the Tea Party brand as such. And those are principles that we have got to support and we have got to continue to rededicate ourselves to every day. And I think that is really the, the significance of the Tea Party movement is it caused this kind of renaissance of thinking about what what the u S Constitution meant. Glenn Beck was one of those guys with his 912 project. Um, and there were so many others that wrote books and and started this kind of reigniting of our um, awareness of these foundational principles. And I think that's why the Tea Party to me, was so powerful. Uh, and important. Uh, To to me, it continues to be.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it takes place much more uh, significantly and poignantly outside of the beltway of D.C. Uh, And Mm -hmm. when the D.C. folks get involved, that's when they kind of muck it up and make it more. That is an excellent,
2: excellent point. Excellent point. It really is. It is. It is something that occurs in our hearts and our minds, and that's where it should
1: be. Yeah. So after, you know, Rand Paul, also from Kentucky, endorsed him, it was Mitch McConnell who won his first election, well, that election at that time. And he said, I thought that this cycle, it was important for us to make sure that in the real election, which is in November, we had people who could actually win. That would be politicians versus Tea Party people. He also said, winners make policy, losers go home. We are going to crush them. Talking about the Tea Party movement, Mitch McConnell became Speaker or the majority leader in the Senate. Still there. Poor guy, you know, probably not doing too well. What is your take on him and his leadership in the way of what you were trying to do, which was basically just assert constitutional principles, America first?
2: Um, You're talking Mitch McConnell. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Mitch McConnell is typical with D.C. establishment. He's he's a negotiator. He is a um, he's a guy that tries to split uh, every (laughs) split down the middle uh, to to gain, um, um, you know, the the most the least number of votes that he needs to get something passed. He's he's a Washington animal and we just can't we can't afford to have any more Washington animals. They just simply have got to go. It looks like uh, hopefully we'll get rid of McConnell um quick soon I, I I certainly hope so but yeah that's I, I think we all understand now that uh the swamp the washington d c establishment is something we've got to get past if we 're going to preserve this American experiment because it is it won't be preserved if we put it in the hands of the, of the d c establishment
1: yeah, I just wanted to hit on that one more time because they are our neighbors to the north, but it was Rand Paul, who was an original Tea Party member like Ted Cruz and, and Michelle Bachman, mm-hmm. but he he let the door open for Mitch McConnell, and yet uh, Mitch McConnell decided to turn on the on the Tea Party. So how do you feel about Rand Paul, the number two from Kentucky?
2: Uh, you know, Kentucky's got some great people, <laughs> Jamie Comer. Rand Paul, I, you know, it's, I, Rand Paul's pretty, is, is about as rock solid as you can get. Um, when they get up there and they start negotiating with leadership, uh, it is, you know, bad things happen. Um, it It is, uh, I'm not quite sure what your question is, but it's, you know, hopefully we can get rid of McConnell and get some good folks in there. James Comer, Thomas Massey, um, these really good, rock-solid constitutionalists. Uh, Those are the guys that we need to come back to. But really, our role in holding them accountable is as important as what's happening in D.C. And if we don't do that, then we're going off the rails big time. Um, The left has done such a good job over the last 20 years of co-opting all these cultural institutions We've got our work cut out for us, and it's not gonna be within my lifetime, I don't think, that that we're gonna get the institutions back. Um, but we've got to start the fight now. And everybody's, you know, in terms of getting into DC and dealing with the with the uh the leadership the leadership up there, I don't think anybody's can be cited as a perfect um model for how you do it. You just gotta get up there and fight the best you can um and you know we have got some some guys that are up there fighting and we've got to support them and try to hold them accountable
1: yeah yeah i guess i was just trying to make a dichotomy between rand paul who was an early adopter of the tea party and then mitch mcconnell his senior senator in the way of the tea party and actually said we're going to crush it and okay but we'll move on from there since yeah, we got- the, the,
2: it's interesting that just as an aside i've talked with so many reporters. Uh, right after the Tea Party wave, 2012, 2013, and they had—they all had this kind of fetish almost about declaring the Tea Party dead, and—and and what they really were trying to do was declare the—the the devotion to these basic principles dead: constitutional, limited constitutional government, free markets, fiscal responsibility. That's what they were trying to kill and they wanted to almost they were afraid that the tea party was these ideas were going to live on and they have um and and that's what washington is afraid of it's perverse and it's weird and it's strange they were in the situation where these ba- bedrock principles are such a threat to the washington establishment but they are uh and th- that's why sticking to those principles is so important
1: i agree okay well, since we got the majority back for Republicans uh, j- only last November, uh, I guess a November ago, uh, and sworn in that that January, the Freedom Caucus seems to have taken up the mantle of constitutional government. But it's very slow, like Jim Jordan's Truth and Reconciliation Committee when we don't need reconciliation, we need prosecutions. Uh, Forty, <laughs> you know. Well said. Well, I, yeah, thank you. Forty-five of them, including our Tennessee reps, Mark Green and Scott Dischjarlis, I think is how you say it, and Diana Harshbarger. Begerle. 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 okay. So mm-hmm. it must be uh, Cajun, and then mm-hmm. Diana Harshbarger. Those are the three. Um, I'm not sure Andy Ogles is officially Tea Party. You can tell me, or sorry, Freedom Caucus. You can tell me, but the the congressional I believe, progress- he, is.
2: I believe he is.
1: Okay, so there's that's a good amount. That's four of mm-hmm. the forty-five. Um, but the Congressional Progressive Caucus is composed of more than 100, led by um, Steve over there's Congressperson Jay Apal. I tell him to stop voting for her over and over again, but he doesn't listen to me. AOC, just kidding, he doesn't. AOC, Klaib, <laughs> the anti-Israeli-Palestinian. Omar, the Somalian-born Minnesota one, is deputy chair. Uh, that state has completely fallen. Cori Bush, hardcore anti-white, anti-cop racist. 95 more, just like them they're like little Nancy Pelosi's 100 to 45 isn't a fair fight. How do we get more freedom guys and ladies?
2: Um, We have got to do it one, one person at a time. Um, I, I, I don't have the answer to that. Uh, I mean, I can't give you the answer to that right here and now Uh, it's just everybody dedicating themselves to these principles and holding people accountable. Um, We have got, a little mini revolutions going on across the country here in Sumner County. I'm, I'm actually not in Nashville. I'm in Sumner County, which is north of Nashville. Uh, the, the Sumner County Constitutional Republicans. I, have you interviewed Kurt Riley?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, yes.
2: I've, okay. Kurt, Kurt is uh, one of the guys that is leading a revolution here locally in Sumner County. That's what we need to duplicate. Um And he is they have the Sumter county constitutional Republicans has essentially made over the local county commission and they've just done a magnificent job. But we've got to do that uh, at the national level. The Freedom, the Freedom Caucus is one way to do it. Um, But, you know, every person has got to get involved and every person has got to hold our elected representatives accountable to these basic principles. You know, I I don't. Uh, I wish I had some kind of grand grand plan. I don't, um, but I do think that it, it, each one of us holding those principles in our hearts and our minds is going to be the real key.
1: Yeah, Kurt Riley was actually just last week. As a matter of fact, episode one twenty four and your episode one twenty six. So we're we're we got a theme here. <laughs> Kurt
2: is, it's a magnificent group. And one really interesting thing about that group is there are lots of California expats in in the group. They have come to Tennessee. They have They have done an extraordinary job of raising people's awareness about what the hell can happen if we don't get involved. And another little interesting aside, just a little historical note, when we were fighting the income tax, and that's really how I got involved, First thing I sold the company in 99 and I was I had already been had always been kind of conservative, but never was involved. And then Don Sundquist, our Republican governor, got reelected on the promise of of being opposing a state income tax. Six weeks later, he came out and said, By the way, my advisors have convinced me that because of Medicaid, which is 10 care here that with the budget is going to blow up and we simply have got to have another source of revenue we've got to have an income tax well you can imagine how the people felt who elected Don Sunquist they felt totally betrayed and it started a two year fight against this income tax it was a transformational experience for all of us that were involved i had experience uh, in the internet so i set up a website we started using email for the first time uh it, Politically, it was just a great, great experiment. But one thing that happened was the the first or the last state to pass an income tax before Tennessee was Connecticut. Lowell Weicker yeah. up there had passed an income tax, and there were about six guys that traveled to Tennessee, and we met with them, and they they gave us their story about. We we fought the income tax, but we and we came this close to defeating it, but they pushed it through. And you have got to fight this thing, or it will change your state forever. And they're right; it would have changed Tennessee forever if they had passed we passed an income tax. And we came within one vote of an income tax. We were, I remember so. Uh, distinctly Ben West, who was one of the kind of the blue dog Democrats walking up to legislative plaza. What, what would happen is the uh, talk radio guys, Phil Valentine and Steve Gill um, would get on the, the legislative plaza and they would set up and, and have their broadcast from the legislative plaza and people would come in and honk their horns uh, and drive around the capital. It was just an amazing experience. Yeah, we've had days, Steve
1: Gill on here a couple of times, and we, he actually did a tribute with me to Phil Valentine, and we talked a lot about that fight and the, the horns that were blowing. So it's great.
2: Uh, it, was, it was a fun, 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 fun time. Yeah. But it, the uh, th- these guys from Connecticut came down. They paid their way. They came down to warn us of what would happen if we didn't stay active. And i you know we see that over and over and over again the special session that's just coming up the 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 um the the threat of biden and the threat of the lefties basically remaking our country if you are not motivated right now, then you're not going to be motivated and your question about what do we have to do. Well if you're not motivated now to to get out and work and support candidates and contribute money and do all the things the basic things that we all have to do to to fight this lefty takeover then I don't know I don't know that there is anything that that I can say to to motivate you yeah. if it's if you don't see what's going on if you're not afraid and scared for your country right now
1: I don't know what to say. I agree. I agree. I've been fighting on offense for two and a half, three years now. All right. So never stops. Uh, The Nashville Tea Party is a Tennessee nonprofit corporation. Your goal is to promote the three core Tea Party values of limited constitutional government, fiscal responsibility, and balanced budget. Uh, You tried to fight Metro's debt in 2018, it's bigger now. Metro's debt service will increase to $410.8 million. That's just the debt service in fiscal year 2023, an increase of $50.8 over the last year. That money could be spent on a lot more things than interest to the bankers. Still fighting the good fight?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so many things have gone on. The, the stadium up here, of course, the, the Republicans in the legislature and the Democrats in the Metro Council voted you know, billions of dollars, basically, in effect, billions of dollars of subsidy to the Adams family, who already have billions of dollars. I looked up the other day, and the the value of the Titans franchise, I think, is around $3 billion, maybe even $4 billion now. We're giving tax subsidies to billionaires. It's just obscene and crazy. Um, uh 3 years ago we fought off the the transit tax they were going to raise taxes to spend billions of dollars for this ridiculous absolutely absurd transit plan we did fight that um uh, i was i'm so proud that i would led a team we put out over 10,000 yard signs that was kind of what that was my uh, my job to put out the yard signs, and we got a team together, and we we uh, it was defeated overwhelmingly. But now they're trying to come back with a new transit plan. It's we're it, and you const, you're constantly fighting the lefties. Nashville, of course, is a is a really tough nut to crack. Uh, in this last round of elections, the Metro Council became even more left leaning. Um, it is it is you know, like most states, the red states, you have these um, blue islands uh, in the cities. And that's where the the power base of Democrats is. And we have got to, we've got Lonnie Spivak, the new uh, chair of the the Republican Party in Davidson County, is doing a great job. Um, uh, Hopefully, Alice Rowley can can make a dent in this mayor's race. It's going to be tough, but but she may well do it. She's in the runoff. Um, but we've just got to keep fighting. We've got to keep um, meeting and fighting and doing all the things that and contributing money. That's the one thing that is so hard.
1: Mm-hmm. to get
2: conservatives to do you know her right co- that conservatives
1: checks. spend conservatively liberals spend liberally and if more people listen to my show with alice Rowley, which it did get her over maybe over the top into this uh, runoff um I, I think that it could do the trick all right so number three on your list is free markets and private property the primary purpose of the federal government is to preserve the liberty and safety of each individual citizen so each citizen has the freedom to self-govern As long as they respect the rights of others, a bloated, bankrupt federal government is a threat to the very liberty, which the federal government is tasked with protecting. Our federal government has grown too big, too intrusive, too expensive, too arrogant, and too broke. Let me ask you this. Lamar Alexander and Governor Lee have a lot in common from my perspective. One was in Mm -hmm. D.C. doing what we just talked about, and one is here in the modern era. Do you see parallels
2: Yes. Oh yeah. they there, uh, we came this close to beating Lamar Alexander, Joe Carr, um, put together a great fight and he beat Lamar Alexander in middle Tennessee. In most areas of middle Tennessee, Lamar had a power base in, excuse me, in East Tennessee and he eked out a victory, but we came very close to beating Lamar, uh, in when Joe Carr was running, Joe was a great candidate. And uh, we had the whole beat Lamar um, mechanism in place and came very close to doing it. But um, you're right. If, if the, the billy bless his heart comes from that same tradition, that same kind of mushy middle um, Republican tradition. And when it comes down to these basic human rights about COVID lockdowns, they, they Bend and they break and they they fold to the to the powers that be. They will not stand up for our essential basic rights. Uh, so yeah, it, w- it was depressing. I had some confidence that Bill Lee would would be a little bit stronger, but um, he and this, the special session that's coming up, it is simply a platform for Justin Pearson and Justin Jones to bring in their far left. Uh, to, uh, <laughs> I hope it won't be violent, but I think it's likely to be violent because they're, the the folks, Antifa and all their sister organizations probably will be here. And Bill Lee basically is just handing them this event on a silver platter and saying, here, you, here is a stage for you to stand up on. And the national media is going to come in, of course, and glorify everything they do. And it's just really disappointing that Bill Lee is handing that over to the left.
1: Yeah, and they both have that folksy fisherman, farmer, roll up the sleeves, checker shirt type of thing, and they voted a whole lot different than you would think. Uh, another one, Cameron right. Sexton. Uh, this is actually a good thing, one of my favorite things before I even got here. Cameron Sexton proposed and then it disappeared pew, with the wind during last session giving back the U.S. Department of Education's funds with all its strings attached and going in, yes. in the state. Mm-hmm. But... But public schools are a disaster. They're ranked low out of the 50 states, and the third grades were held back for failing the TCAP with like 88%. So, you know, they suffered from COVID lockdowns, and now that. Fast forward 10 years, and these kids are not getting a good deal out of education. Only one in three seniors can read at grade level. Uh, The national test scores are a disaster, an mm -hmm. absolute disaster. Uh, and
2: if you don't take your kids out and put them in homeschool or private school or a charter school, um, you know you, you we got to get these parents considering it. I interviewed um, Robin Steenman with Moms for Liberty. I don't know if you've talked with Robin. Yeah. An And Tiffany
1: Justice, her boss. Yeah.
2: Great. Yes. Yes. Great. The B one pilot. And mm-hmm. always she she was a B one pilot in Afghanistan. And just a great, great person, and those are the kind of people that are going to that we're going to take back this uh, this that we're going to fight this culture war with. It's not Bill Lee, uh, and it's it's not Mitch McConnell. It's these people that if Chris Chris Rufo, uh, Robin Steinman, all the folks, and and Kurt Riley, and all the people that are coming up from the grassroots. Those are the people that are going to win this
1: war. Yeah, I've been saying it for j- decades. It's going to take Sam Adams, not John Adams. Um,
2: well said. Well said.
1: <laughs> can I can I mean that? Sure, go for it. Just <laughs> put my face on there. No, and I got the Mill Creek shirt on and everything. Okay, so we pay more in interest on the debt annually, starting now, 2023, than we do on trillion defense. trillion dollars. Yep, more than defense. That's only 890 bill trillion uh, billion. Yeah, mm-hmm. the number one role of government is to protect its citizens, the taxpayers. The debt has skyrocketed to 31 trillion and probably three times that if we use real accounting. You're for fiscal responsibility, but we haven't seen any since the Clinton campaign's rhetoric, not truth, about era of big government is over. It wasn't. Was just getting started actually. What are your ideas for balanced budgets when we've had Republicans in Congress, we do now, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger?
2: I don't know. I don't know. Uh, convention of the states, perhaps um, that's a radical, a radical move. Uh, Article five, um, whether or not that uh, is something that's reasonable. What do you think about that, Steve? I'll I'll turn this around. What do you think about
1: it? I think we have a spending problem. If we stop spending on things like mm-hmm. on, we didn't see it coming down the pike, but Ukraine um, or the rusting iron in the desert that they won't put up for the wall and actually stop spending on these ridiculous woke projects, we could actually pay off some debt and at least let it retire as opposed to inflate the, the currency by printing it for no reason. But I think we're past the Rubicon, $31 trillion. If I was looking at it like a stock, I don't think I'd be buying U.S. dollars, but it's a different story from me.
2: Well, I th- you're right. And the downgrade uh, the other day by Fitch, I think of, of U.S. debt, um, uh, should be a wake-up call, but I don't think it will be. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I More and more, I think we're, the U.S. dollar basically is just destined to decline more and more. Uh, I don't see any way past it, frankly. Uh, I, th- I think that's why people are fighting um, Bitcoin and these alternate currencies. They could possibly, if they were ever declared legal tender, then there might be some competition for the U.S. dollar but I don't see the Fed ever, ever allowing that to happen. I wish I could be more optimistic about it. I wish I could. I wish I could be more optimistic about us or the Congress reducing spending. But uh, I, you know, I'm I'm afraid the realistic um, assessment here is that they simply are not going to at this point. we have got to, so, as so I got about as five, I got
1: about five minutes left with you. So I want to try to jam right. through these as best I can. It goes fast, but um, okay. I'm not a big fan of politico.com, but they do some things. They do sometimes think um, here. Here's what they said. I'd like to get your take on it. Democrats are entering a once unlikely prospect, retaking the house majority by winning in the South. The party is newly invigorated about its chance to pick up a seat, each in Alabama, Louisiana, and maybe even Georgia, after years of Republicans shutting them out of the congressional map-making process in nearly every southern state. Democrats have turned to the courts to claw back what they saw as nefarious GOP gerrymandering. It may be starting to pay off. What do you think? Can they?
2: They can. Um, uh, And I don't know if you heard today, uh, some groups filed a suit against the current Um, congressional map in Tennessee, some civil rights groups. Um, Now, obviously, it's going to take a a long amount of time for it to wind its way through the courts. But yes, that's one thing. And that's the thing about the left. They come at us from all directions. This lawfare um, and the the tying these things up in the courts, um, it is, I I think they probably, I, I, I think they do have a shot uh, we have a, probably a better shot in the Senate, but uh, but it is quite possible that they could at least get to make the House so close that it basically the control is in question.
1: OK, the only two congressional seats in Tennessee that are Dems are in Shelby County and Davidson County, Memphis and Nashville, the two highest crime cities too. what do you make of the noise, the super minority. 24 of 95 dems are making like Gloria Johnson from Knox, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson you mentioned. Do you think they can win statewide offices?
2: No, I don't think so. And I don't think that's really what they want to do. They are they are being elevated by the National Democratic Party. Uh they're being groomed for other things. Uh and that's uh, you know clearly they couldn't win uh, a congressional seat. Uh okay. in th- th- maybe they might challenge Steve Cohen in Memphis, um, but I don't think they have a chance, especially with a, with the reapportionment that's taken place uh, and resulted in Andy Ogle's seat. Um, in, you, mean in the, you mean the Republicans seat. might take on Andy
1: Cohen, or Justin Pearson might take on another Democrat. Just,
2: Justin Pearson might take on Democrat on Democrat. Uh, Steve, so be, Steve okay. Cohen, yeah.
1: Not I a think, pickup. I think but
2: a, okay. nationally, the progressives are grooming those two for other things. I don't. I don't think. Uh, Justin Pearson may do something in Memphis, but I can't imagine that uh, Justin Jones would do any more in in, uh, in Davidson County than he's doing now.
1: Okay. We had Benny Smith on here from Memphis. Uh, He he was on the election commission, and he told us all about fractional magic and how one vote doesn't equal one vote in Shelby. And Shelby has a long history of, you know, shenanigans in their their elections. Uh, And now he's on the statewide commission. Do you know him?
2: no i do not
1: Okay, i'll send you a copy of his episode um it's number 90 for everyone else he spells it out pretty clearly how easy it is to cheat of course in california and washington the cheating helps the dems and here it helps or i would think one made republicans over another um if you ever get into a republican on a republican fight it, it was only 12 years ago when dems were the majority in tennessee so could always flip if voters get sick of sending reps to nashville that vote like dems right Absolutely. That's why
2: we came so close to the income tax. The Democrats had a majority. Uh, We had a few blue dog Democrats who made the difference. But we had a very strong Democrat speaker, Jimmy Nafee, who was ruled with an iron fist. He was an old-fashioned dictator, basically, uh, in, in the speakership position when he was there. And that's why we got so close to the income tax. And it can happen again
1: okay last question um we know that there's a special session coming up so it's a timely question there are 18 topics that lawmakers are allowed to consider ironically enough none of them have to do with guns but i did pull out five of the 18 about privacy at least that's the way i could boil it down um ag scarmetti who we've had on here too he's under fire in the press for gathering info from vanderbilt health about people that went through transgender mutilation or gender affirming care they call it whatever but invasion of privacy and maybe HIPAA violations. So I'm wondering if you know about this and the five were identification of individuals arrested for felonies. Don't know why they wouldn't already know that. Law enforcement's access to criminal and juvenile records. Well, they should have access to that already. Law enforcement's access to information about individuals who are subject to mental health commitment. That's the only thing I can see related to Covenant. Information about victims of violent offenses, Hmm, okay, and stalking offenses okay, what do you make uh, or do you think Tennessee is overstepping its bounds looking into that kind of private information back to your limited government and private property concerns?
2: Absolutely. I I think we've got to watch uh, this special session like a hawk and we've got to get up there. Uh, John Harris with TFA is going to be up there fighting the good fight. uh, And I would encourage Absolutely. Every person that's listening to call their legislator and let them know they're going to be watching what's going on because we don't know what's what Bill Lee has been negotiating. We know he's been negotiating in secret. We simply don't know what what specific legislation is going to come out of this special session. Um, I I, I just can't answer any of your questions specifically because we don't we don't have legislation that we can look at and read. And when we do get that, then everybody's got to get involved because these special sessions typically only last about two or three days. And then, bam, it's over and you don't know what hit you. We've got to watch closely. And if we need to have a rally at the Capitol, I would encourage everybody to come out and get up there because we've got to have a public showing of support for these legislators. And if if I remember that the, the tax revolt uh, protest at the at the legislature, thousands of people showed up and we may need thousands of people to show up at the legislature again this special session and show these legislatures that they, they have, uh, that we have their backs.
1: surely the other side will do that too. Well, Ben, thank you for your time. So much appreciate you. You mentioned a whole bunch of names that have been on my show. So I'm glad to finally add you to the library. I want people to know all about you, what you're trying to do for us, uh, but we're at the end here. So tell everyone where they can go to find out more about you, your group and, and your social media.
2: Steve, thanks so much. It's, it's an honor to be here and thanks for all you're doing. Uh, nationalteaparty.com is our website. Come sign up for our email list. You can find us on uh, Facebook at fb.com forward slash national tea party. We're on uh, uh t- Twitter at national tea party and Instagram at national tea party. We reach about uh, two million people a month and would be happy to add you to that list. Uh, I'm sitting in the grand you. Every, anybody that's listening, please sign up. Uh, we, we'd love to have you on our social media accounts. Uh, and we, that's the way we recruit people for it. We don't have meetings. We have special projects. And we put together special projects and teams to work on special projects like the transit referendum and the property tax referendum and those kinds of things. Well, that's, that's our MO. And if you want to get involved, sign up for our email list and get involved on our social media accounts.
1: All right. Well, keep up the good work and thanks for fighting for us.
2: Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
1: If you're like me and sick of the woke, unfunny content coming out of Hollywood these days and looking for something new and exciting, I found the website for you, MovieNight.com. The folks at MovieNight.com, that's MovieNight, one word, .com, has the first universal loyalty program that offers businesses like yours the opportunity to attract customers with their exclusive lineup of world-class titles. Titles like Daddy Daughter Trip with Rob Schneider, Triumph with Terrence Howard, and Nefarious, last year's blockbuster hit. Movie Night was founded to positively impact society through media. Check it out at MovieNight.com and enjoy the show.
0: I don't understand.
1: Welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show, where we cover what we just heard. Producer Steve, what did you think of our guest, Ben Cunningham?
0: I like his energy, Steve. I like his energy. He knows his stuff. And, 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 you know, when you ask those deeper questions of, can we solve this? And you both were kind of like, this is so ingrained (laughs) within (laughs) our political uh, maneuverings. And, Steve, I'm telling you, it's run like a criminal syndicate. I wrote this little – I had this little picture I drew over here on my um, piece of paper of this big fatted pig, U.S. taxpayers, and then both sides, D-E-O-M and the D-E-M and the G-O-P, are sitting there, wolves – and they're there with their knives and their forks, and they're trying to come in there, and they're trying to divide the spoils. And that's how I look at politics these days. I do not see Well, that's very people. funny that
1: you use that as an illustration, because I was thinking while he was talking, there were signposts along the way that got us here where we could have made a difference. Back when the Tea Party started, if they would have stopped the spending and started focusing on the debt like yes. Ross Perot warned everybody, we could have done it. And back then, the image was a big, fatted pig with all of the suckling pigs next to it, milking the teat of the government. But now we've gone from milking pig to slaughter pig. Slaughtering the pig. Right, they're eating it. So, okay, yeah. let's start with our friends in the press that I'm happy to report I am not in their club, mainstream (laughs) media, which is crazy because the mainstream shouldn't be where the lies are perpetrated and pushed, should be the fringe media or nowhere really. But here we are stuck with these people. Let's remind ourselves of the not too distant past clip number one we want to make sure that people can discern the truth from the misinformation and we want to make sure that everyone understands that no one's safe till everyone's safe
0: no one is safe
1: no one is safe no one is
3: safe no one is safe no one is safe no one is safe.
1: Nobody is safe.
3: This is
4: a post 9 11 axiom. Safer, but not yet safe.
3: No one is safe.
1: No one is safe. No one is safe.
3: No one is safe from COVID 19 until everyone is safe. If the whole world isn't safe, none of us are safe.
2: No one is safe. No one is safe. Nobody is safe
4: until we're all safe. Health experts have been saying nobody is safe.
2: Nobody is safe until everybody is safe. Nobody is safe.
1: Science is clear.
4: None of us are safe.
3: There is no safety. No one is safe. No one is safe. No one is safe until everyone is safe. No one is safe. Nobody is safe. No safe. We'll never be safe until we're all safe. We are never going to be
1: safe. 99.5% of people are safe. And we'll survive COVID nineteen. Uh
3: the only positive thing out of this is
2: we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines and nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. You don't have a choice. As long as not everybody is vaccinated, nobody will be safe. Normalcy only returns when we've
3: largely vaccinated the entire global population. So get the
1: fucking vaccine You
3: need
4: to get vaccinated, and if you don't, you are going to die. I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know who they are.
2: The double vaccinated people. My message to unvaccinated Americans is this
4: if you are the unvaccinated, you are the problem. You'll the f- condemn them shame them blame the
1: only people that you can blame the unvaccinated
4: frankly we can't trust the unvaccinated they
1: should not be part of polite society the lunatics who won't take covid vaccines walking around lawfully unvaccinated that's psychotic. if you're willing to walk among us
2: unvaccinated you are an enemy you have no right not to be vaccinated you don't have the right to contaminate someone you
0: can't go around pointing a gun in somebody's face which is what it is when people
1: have any of these people apologize for being 100 wrong on covid and the science not one not, not one. one some are some are unemployed now but not one that goes on for 11 minutes by the way thank you clay travis for posting that on twitter uh, he calls that clip the best video i've seen on twitter hmm, <laughs> yeah so all right meet deborah archer aclu national board president The civil rights lawyer, scholar, and teacher is the first Black person to lead the organization's board. That's good. Deborah Archer's earliest memory of protests came early in her childhood. Her Jamaican immigrant parents moved their family from Hartford, Connecticut, to the suburbs where they felt they could give their child a better life and education. They were one of just two Black families in their neighborhood, and her white neighbors quickly made it clear they were not welcome. One morning, the family woke to find their new home vandalized. KKK spray painted across their home and car. That's terrible. Nine-year-old Archer was terrified and briefly, briefly went to live with her grandmother. But her parents encouraged her, telling her she needed to fight back against the people who tried to drive their family from their new home. Quote, for me, going back into that house was my earliest memory of resistance, Archer recalls. Playing in our yard, going to our neighborhood playground. I view all of those as acts of protest, like the small acts of resistance that black people have engaged in throughout history. As Archer steps into this new role, one big reason she is eager to lead this work shines above the rest. Her sons, quote, each and every time they leave the house, I am terrified, says Archer. It is not enough for me to pray that they that the world will be kind. I need to fight for my children, for everyone's children. That is why I'm here. That is why the ACLU exists, to build a better future for my sons and for all of us. In 2019, she was asked about her time at Smith College. In smith.edu online magazine, quote, So when I got to Smith College, I was exposed to people and ways of living that I didn't know existed. In that sense, Smith was wonderful and was really central in making me who I am today but it also was central in shaping who I am in a way that was not so positive. In my first year in Tyler House, I received a racist note under my door. It called me the N-word and said I should go home. I had seen racial discrimination all of my life as a black immigrant growing up in Hartford, Connecticut. Very early on when we were living there, someone spray painted KKK on the side of the house and on our car. So it wasn't surprising to me that someone at Smith would do that. What was surprising was that I had felt so safe in that house. I had felt so welcomed. When that happened, it really shattered trust and my feeling of safety and belonging, not only in that house, but in the colleges." Smith sounds bad. Wonder if Smith College regrets that interview. 50 years ago, there was about 200 women's colleges in the US, said Emerald Archer, director of the Women's College Coalition. Today, there are just 35. Smith received 9,868 applications for the class of 2027, reflecting a 36% increase over last year, Also of note, a 51% increase in international studies, a 43% increase in students of color, and a 40% bump in students applying from outside of the Northeast and New England regions. I should mention Smith is an all-girls school, all women's school, but nobody read that, I would assume, Um, at least not that interview. Producer Steve, you ever accidentally hit reply all on an email by mistake and sent info you didn't want uh, everyone to see, but it's it's, uh, too late? uh maybe i don't try to do that though yeah no one tries to i, I mean i certainly don't but how's this one? one millions of sensitive pentagon emails accidentally sent to a russian ally we've all accidentally replied all to an email or sent a message to the wrong recipient a time or two but most americans likely haven't funneled millions of messages containing sensitive department of defense information to a foreign country that happens to be a close ally with russia That is unfortunately the reality now being grappled with by Pentagon brass, despite warning going back nearly 10 years that a common typo in email addresses was leading millions of sensitive DoD emails to inboxes not within the U.S. military, but to addresses the West African nation of Mali. A Pentagon spokesperson told Financial Times that the Department of Defense is aware of this issue and takes all unauthorized disclosures of controlled national security information or controlled unclassified information seriously, even though zubier says he has collected more than 117,000 misdirected emails that ended up in Mali, with almost 1,000 arriving on one day last
0: week. Okay, Steve, Oof. I make I make a. Sometimes I'll send out something to uh, one of our guests and then go, "Oops, it was I'm sorry," and I send back something. How do you get that the wrong spelling of an email? What what's going on there? Uh, it says
1: a, it's a common typo. So instead of maybe .gov, it goes to .com and boom, you're out there to whoever has that oh string. Gosh. That, that's just one example. It could be anything. It could be instead of Steve, it could be S-T-A-V-E. I don't know. All right. Next story. Analytics show Democrats twice as radical, GOP more moderate by Paul Bedard, Washington Secrets columnist, Washington Examiner, July 21st, 2003. Did you know they have a Secrets columnist? kind of strange. Anyway, to hear Democrats talk about Republicans, it's pretty easy to get the impression that they are all right-wing rabble-rousers made more conservative after the presidencies of Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. The top Democrat on the House Appropriations Committee, Rep. Rosa DeLauro, Democrat Connecticut, I don't know if you've ever seen her, Google it, she's got some interesting hairstyles, for example, this week ranted about having to work with unbending terrorists across the aisle but it's not the republicans who have radicalized over the past 50 years but the democrats and by a huge margin according to a deep dive into the latest cpac ratings in one of the biggest surprises revealed since the ratings began there are twice as many democrats with perfect zero conservative ratings in the house and senate today than in 1971. great year And there are significantly fewer Republicans with 100% ratings in the House and Senate today than 51 years ago. That's not good. I think the biggest lesson that we've learned through our analytics is that over time, Republicans that return to DC term after term tend to move toward the middle. And over time, Democrats move toward the hard left. CPAC Chairman Matt Schlapp said in an interview. Next story. CEO of company that wants to scan your irises World ID is coming, whether you like it or not. Sounds ominous. Alex Blania, CEO of WorldCoin, a company that wants billions of people to scan their irises to create a global system of authentication, says that a global form of ID is coming, quote, whether you like it or not. WorldCoin was co-founded by Sam Altman, who is also the CEO of OpenAI, listen to this, the company behind the controversial large language model ChatGPT. The AI mogul previously stated his hopes for the technology to break capitalism by enabling the more efficient allocation of resources. Hmm. <laughs> Communism is everywhere. Well, uh, previously,
0: I, I, I'm just going to interrupt there. If you take, right. if they take your eye, scan your retina, then all of a sudden they have that on their bank. So then somebody else could just use that and copy it and use it for passwords. I mean, come on. I mean, this is outrageous if you if you can just use a thumbprint or a fingerprint I mean we've already got that
1: so yeah but all you need is a serrated edge and you can take your thumb as well so there is no perfect yeah I,
0: this but. it's all BS it's just one. all way right to. back
1: to the article because this is coming this is a warning for you previous investors in WorldCoin included disgraced crypto kingpin Sam Bankman freed founder of the collapsed cryptocurrency exchange FTC yes I would really want him to have my personal iris data The company uses technology that scans the irises of people around the world, data which is then used to grant access to the WorldCoin ecosystem as well as a means of distinguishing between real people and bots. This means that WorldCoin's success will in part be driven by the success of AI in impersonating humans, a field that Altman's OpenAI is also closely tied to distinguishing between bots and humans is rising in importance as AI continues to change the tech industry using biometric data, as WorldCoin does, is one potential solution. Although the challenge for the company will be overcoming privacy concerns. Mm -hmm. That from Breitbart. Speaking of Breitbart, Emma Jo Morris, now political editor at Breitbart, was New York Times, I'm sorry, New York Post at the time of this. She had this to say in front of Congress. Clip number two.
3: Deputy politics editor at the new york post and um, my reporting showed that despite then candidates joe biden's repeated and furious denials he was apparently involved in the foreign business deals of his family over s- several days just weeks before americans would vote for their next president i revealed verified authentic emails from the biden scions hard drive showing ukrainian business partners receiving leaks from the obama white house I documented an off-the-books meeting between then-Vice President Biden and a Ukrainian energy executive and introduced the world to the big guy um, who got action on a deal with CEFC, China Energy Company. The Post published exactly how the material for the reporting was obtained, even identifying our sources, um, as well as a federal subpoena showing the FBI was in possession of the material. The story was based on and had been since December of 2019. Um, but when the stories appeared on social media that morning, the venue where millions of Americans go to find their news and editors to get their angles, uh, within hours the reporting was censored on all major platforms on the basis of being called hacked or Russian disinformation. Um, Twitter refused to allow users to share the link to the stories, ban the links from being shared in private messages, a policy, by the way, that's used to clamp down on child porn Um, and locked the post out of its verified account. Facebook said it would curb distribution and reach of the links on its platform. However, the stories were not based on hacked materials, nor were they Russian disinformation, and despite those claims appearing to come out of thin air at the time, we would eventually learn that they actually didn't come out of thin air at all. On October 19th, five days after the post began publishing, Politico ran a story headlined, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former intel officials say. God, I can't even say that with a straight face, you know. (laughs) Politico printed a letter completely uncritically from veteran members of the U.S. intelligence community falsely claiming that the Post expose has, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. My God. (laughs)
1: All right. Well, that is pretty amazing. That is uh, uh, Emma Jo. If she knew how Andrew, her new boss, died, uh, she might not be so forthcoming. But that's speculation on my part. Hell of a testimony. Brave truth teller that goes on a while longer, by the way. Uh, Here's a trip down memory lane for us. Don't just love American media in the 2020s, don't you? Clip number three.
4: The attack on the whistleblower um, is is never wise, it's never lawful, Um, it's never honorable, it's everything you said, it's a travesty. And
3: I'm not going to call them whistleblowers. They don't deserve whistleblower protection. Each and every one of them has a uh,
1: strange history, has, guess what, Russian connections.
3: They always do. These are not, as we would consider them, whistleblowers, people who are alleging wrongdoing. They weren't really whistleblowers at all. In fact, they weren't even credible witnesses.
4: Two or three people who are political operatives, but they're not whistleblowers. These guys are not whistleblowers, period is a hardworking, patriotic person in the intelligence community who just wants to put the information out there. ...the president to call into question the credibility of this whistleblower. They're referring to this
2: whistleblower as the so-called whistleblower.
4: So called whistleblower on the Biden family.
1: Welcome back to so called whistleblower from the so called whistleblowers. Let's see, so called whistleblowers. So called whistleblowers. So called whistleblowers.
3: So called whistleblower. So called whistleblower. So called whistleblower. whistleblowers. Whistleblowers. That's what he's calling them. Whistleblower. Whistle, quote unquote, whistleblowers. They're alleged IRS whistleblower the gop is marketing as whistleblowers Uh, quote quote unquote whistleblowers jim jordan who's the chair of the oversight committee is lauding them as brave americans
4: Whistleblower, a, a true patriot coming forward with the allegations. But
3: that's well, why the whistleblower is a hero in many ways. Uh, this whistleblower is a hero. The whistleblower is a, a public servant. And now. To, to stay un- anonymous. The heroism is being kind of thrust on this person.
4: They can't imply this person is partisan. person has been deemed credible and a patriot.
3: Great
1: courage to do the
2: right thing.
4: The whistleblower did was really patriotic.
2: This whistleblower was. Not alone spiritually. The best composed, best written, best documented uh, such complaint I've ever seen.
4: Thank you,
3: whistleblower. I consider your complaint to be credible and urgent. Do what Donald Trump was doing in going after or targeting the people who helped this, I would say, very brave whistleblower. 2023.
1: If you've got an allegation against the
3: Biden
4: family, then come on board, because you, too, can be their next whistleblower. Hunter Biden's right. whistleblower, right. this whistleblower who is going to just tell us all the horrible things he'd been up to. Reappropriating the term whistleblower after doing everything they could to injure the life of
3: the actual whistleblower that led to Donald Trump's first impeachment.
0: I think we get the point, Steve.
1: <laughs> yeah. Media during Trump, media now during Biden. Total waste of oxygen. They should be ashamed of themselves. And so many producers have been busted for child porn and worse. It's no wonder they want Sound of Freedom movie to go away. Sickos. Even ESPN, the sports channel, unfortunately for them, owned by Disney, but not the happiest place on earth for workers. Listen, number four.
0: Is this the coronavirus here? here we go. Nope.
1: Allison on worries. April 1st,
4: 2021, Disney sent an email oh. to all employees stating that, quote, Getting the vaccine is a personal decision for each of us. That position would prove temporary. A few months later, I received a notice from ESPN that effective August 1st, 2021, a COVID vaccine would be required to attend all remote events. This includes all games and remote studio shows. There would be absolutely no exemptions to this rule. Shortly thereafter, Disney extended this mandate to all employees, regardless of travel, unless a religious or medical accommodation was approved. While this mandate was not entirely a surprise, the reality was still hard to fathom and incredibly difficult to process. As a consequence of this mandate, for the first time in 14 years, I would not be reporting for the sidelines of college football in the fall of 2021. Regardless, I retained hope that I could still remain an employee at ESPN and work in my capacity as a studio host. This hope hinged on receiving an accommodation on either medical or religious grounds. Also during this time, my husband and I were working with fertility specialists in the hopes of having a second child. An already stressful and emotional period exacerbated exacerbated by the impending uncertainty of my job status. I contacted my doctor in July and shared with him my concerns regarding the vaccine and my employer's demand I receive it to continue working. Given my good health and our current calendar for conception, he supported my decision to forego the vaccine. He agreed to provide the necessary documentation to apply for medical accommodation. I notified my reporting manager I would be doing so, and we get, began the process through human resources and legal counsel for ESPN. Unfortunately, in my follow-up correspondence, correspondence with my doctor's physician assistant, Assistant, I was notified due to the large number of medical exemption requests received they were having a clinic wide meeting to discuss how best to handle them. After said meeting, I was informed that as a clinic, they would not be providing any medical exemptions for any patients. Piece
0: of crap clinic.
4: Instead, I was referred to the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology and the CDC websites. Despite my doctor's acknowledgement that this medical intervention was unnecessary for me as an individual, a blanket approach was taken for all patients disregarding our specific needs and risks. I subsequently notified ESPN that I would be modifying from a medical to a religious accommodation request. I had a valid and sincere opposition to this injection in regards to my scheduled IVF transfer. I also have valid and sincere religious ob- objections to the COVID-19 vaccine. The extent and basis of my beliefs were questioned and they were discussed at length with human resources representatives from ESPN. The sincerity of my religious beliefs was acknowledged, but it was determined I could not continue to be employed without creating an undue burden upon the company. I was given one week to comply and get the injection or be separated from the company. I did not receive the vaccine as my beliefs did not change in that week and therefore was terminated as an employee with ESPN in October of 2021.
0: Do we want to go on for the next two minutes or should I just leave? No, it no, no.
1: I think I, I thought I gave you a counter, but Allison Williams told the story of Disney ESPN firing her after 14 years while she was pregnant for her refusal to get the COVID shot. Powerful testimony. Yep. That's what I've been saying. American teens are driving less. This according to the hill.com American teens seem to be waiting longer than ever to drive the share of teenagers with driver's licenses in the 16 to 19 age group declined from 64% in 1995 to just under 40% in 2021, according to the Federal Highway Administration. The reasons are as complicated as teens. Car costs have surged. Inflation has pushed up the prices of insurance and gas. Ride hailing and home delivery apps make cars feel less essential. America's urban centers are growing more crowded and less car friendly. Teens are socializing more online and less in person. Many young people would rather bike or walk than pollute their planet. Environmental concerns have spiked among millennials and Generation Z. Millennials drove the carless trend. New research suggests the generation continues to drive less than either Generation X or baby boomers, even as they approach midlife. It's too soon to tell whether Generation Z will follow suit. As Americans age and contemplate marriage and parenthood, a carless existence becomes progressively harder to sustain. Gen Z is very environmentally conscious, said Kate Lowe, an associate professor of urban planning at policy at UIC. But she added a lot of people change their transportation patterns when they have kids that are gonna love 15-minute cities. Uh, Next item, clip number five, last one. Uh, No, second to last
0: one. Read that uh, your vaccine mandate was using your own batch of vaccine, especially imported for Pfizer, which was not tested by the TGA. Is
1: that correct?
2: Uh, Senator, so Pfizer undertook to import um, a, a batch of vaccine specifically for the employee vaccination program.
0: Oh, yes. I heard all about this, Steve. Go ahead. Let's hear it.
1: Pfizer employees were given a special batch through vaccine program that was different from what was forced. Saline into the general solution. Population. You say saline solution. Yeah, their own batch of vaccine not given to the rest of the population. Producer Steve, pop quiz. Is the United States a democracy or a republic? It's a corporatocracy. Yeah, but what's it supposed to be? It's
0: supposed to be a republic.
1: Right. Let's see if America's favorite civil rights leader on MSNBC agrees. Last clip.
2: Hey, Al, just a reminder, this isn't a democracy, it's a republic. And we're reflective of the oh, people Oh, this that is we not represent. a democracy. It's a republic, Al. Look at the Constitution. We're reflecting uh-huh. the people of the, of the Ninth District. And, we're, and again, I just want to make one thing very clear, and I, and I enjoy having this conversation I, with you. I, I you enjoy having it, too, because I really hope the people in the Ninth District know on the next election that they should not vote thinking this is a democracy, that well, Doug says this is. is
1: not a democracy.
2: I'll even the, send you the clip.
1: good old reverend al sharpton shocked by congressman's claim the united states is a republic not a democracy i tell you those folks on the left have never even read the document no stay tuned for my thoughts of the day With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast simply and naturally without restrictive exercise or cardboard dry tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof, look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know, I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com. Hi, I'm Kurt Riley. I'm the chairman with the Sumner County Constitutional Republicans, and you're listening to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast.
3: Welcome to my
1: folks for the day. I'll remind everyone to subscribe to Mill Creek View Podcast. That's Tennessee, Washington, and now Florida. Just go to Rumble or Spotify or iTunes, search for Mill Creek View, and hit the subscribe button and follow us on all of them. Be sure to check out our new business show, The CEO Special, where I interview great business folks doing good business. I really hope you like that. Adam Smith, little else is requisite to carry a state to the highest degree of opulence from the lowest barbarism but peace easy taxes and a tolerable administration of justice all the rest being brought about by the natural course of things al capone they can't collect legal taxes from illegal money leona helmsley we don't pay taxes only the little people pay taxes leona helmsley nicknamed the queen of mean by the press received a four-year prison sentence 750 hours of community service and a 7.1 million dollar tax fraud fine in new york for many helmsley became the object of loathing and disgust when she quipped that only the little people pay taxes leona's husband harry was one of the world's wealthiest real estate moguls with an estimated 5 billion to 10 billion dollars in property holdings back then the couple lived in a dazzling penthouse overlooking central park and also maintained an impressive mansion in greenwich connecticut leona who operated the helmsley palace on madison avenue was severely disliked by her employees Holmesley died in August 2007 at age 87. Rest in peace. She famously left $12 million to her dog, Trouble. Calvin Coolidge, collecting more taxes than is absolutely necessary is legalized robbery. Hmm. That's it for this episode. All right. Sorry to do it, but going to take a little summer slowdown between now and mid-September. There will still be content at least once a week, but not the crazy pace we've had. CEO special every Monday, so look for that on YouTube. We'll be back to full force in the fall after some rest. We haven't stopped for a year. Through sicknesses and travel and business, we have done it. Uh, It's been good for our following. Thank you, up, up, up. Please subscribe if you haven't already. It really helps us with the algorithms, and don't forget about us, um, so we can stay on top. Been number one on Potomatic for 12 weeks in a row. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Ben Cunningham, for reminding us taxation is a form of theft. Until next time, this is your host, Steve Abramowitz, and your producer, Steve Johan. I'm editor-in-chief of MCView.us. Peace in our time and glory to God. G2G.
4: Hello, this is Alice Rowley uh, calling in and joining you from Nashville, Tennessee, where I'm running to serve as our city's 10th mayor and you are listening to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast.
0: children and the pumpkins at the county fair they were looking for america